Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Manscaped, Therawan CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and Bet Online. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined for a special in-person edition uh, by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, how are you? Doing good. It's good to be in person to do this. I think the last time we did one in person was probably, it had to be during the football season, so it's been a while, so it's good to be face-to-face. Yeah, was it? After the, we didn't do one face to face after the Super Bowl. No, Maybe we were after the Packers game we Sunday, were, Sunday night. No, we were too distraught after that uh, February game. But I think I remember we did it in person after the 49er Packer Sunday night game during the regular season yeah, around Thanksgiving. I think that was the last time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back together. Um, do you want to say anything about our golf game earlier? Just off the top, I figured it uh, gets the important stuff early. You know, I'd won four times in a row, so I was due for a bad outing. You won today. You four beat... three. Uh, it was four. It seems, we... seems, like we're, it seems like we're adding. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know I, was, I was due for a bad round. My putting was terrible. No excuses. I just putt very badly. So you beat me by a couple strokes, and this was the first time you've beat me since 2017. So kudos to you. We're going to have to check the statue um, here. But, yeah. you've, you've definitely been playing a lot. I could see the improvement in your game, so I'm glad I could motivate you there. Um, but next week we're playing in lbi for our yearly game with our dad and that's that's the match that's most important so i'm hoping to win for the third straight year in lbi but yeah you got off the schneid today so i was was happy for you yeah we'll see if we can get uh, dave mason at bet online to post odds for that um and and get that going but we had a, a, a crazy week of NBA basketball here um, and off the top. Just want to talk a little bit about it. We we had a great guest on. We have Jason Shapiro, uh, Chief Revenue Officer at Betcha, a new innovative DFS app. Uh, so we get into it with him. We talk about his background and some NBA talk. Uh, but Tyler, before we get to that, I mean, this week, the Lakers, they lose game one. They come back. They win a couple. But what are some early takeaways for you from uh, for you um, on, on the NBA playoffs right now? Yeah, I mean, it's just the way the NBA scheduled it is amazing, just having it throughout the day. Um, during the work week, it's a little little distracting. But, yeah, it's been great. Um, I mean, Luca, we talk about it with Jason more. But he's been incredible, and I've been saying it, like, the last week and a half, like, jokingly but like would you take Luca or Giannis like I think at this point moving forward I would take Luca just offensively his game you know his three-point shooting is it's kind of the weak point of his game right now and he hit a game-winning three today he hit a couple big threes at the end you just look at the guys around him like Trey Burke who's been out of the NBA Tim Hardaway who's a nice player but he's playing like huge minutes he just makes everyone around him so much better so Luca obviously has been incredible and also um, the Heat, I've, I've been impressed with that. You know, the Pacers were a good team in the seeding games. TJ Warren was playing really well. And for the Heat to be up 3-0 in that series, I've been really impressed with them. And it's not like they're blowing them out, but they're just like winning tight games. And they're showing they could win different ways. Drogic played really well in game one. Duncan Robinson scored 28 in game two, I think. Uh, the last game, Tyler Hero played really well off the bench. So I just really like the versatility of the Heat so far. Yeah, I'm excited to see what we get out of Giannis in the second round in that matchup versus the Heat. I think in terms of the the Luka Giannis discussions, things like that. Giannis Giannis has some stuff to prove. I think here over the next couple rounds, and I do think it's important for this Bucks team to at least make a run, definitely into the Eastern Conference Finals. And I, I think it I think it'll be big for them to make the finals because with his contract situation coming up in the next year and how we know the rumor mill works, especially in the NBA, I think it's big for him. Uh, another takeaway for me personally, and I know some of our our listeners as well, but player props. Just it's been a brutal week of bad beats from player props. Just rattling off a couple here uh, to make myself feel better about it. AD, I think this was game two, over 30 and a half points. He had 26 through three, ended with 28. Donovan Mitchell, 30 and a half. He had 27 through three. They were destroying the Nuggets. He ends with 30. And Luka, over under 30 and a half, had 26 through three, ends with 28. This was a couple games ago. AD also had a bad one mixed in in game two. So 
all in all, I think this is serves as a nice segue into our interview with Jason, where you can do this on DFS, and maybe maybe you'll have better chances. You won't have quite as many bad beats, but enjoy the interview, and we'll be back on the other side for a quick recap on Double Shot. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Jason Wurslin, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests our products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Okay, and Tyler and I are very excited to welcome on the Full Slate Airwaves, Jason Shapiro, Chief Revenue Officer at Betcha. Jason, thanks for joining us tonight. How's your yeah. weekend going? Thanks for having me on, guys. Weekend's been really good. I know just before we hopped on, we were talking about I'm a Celtics fan, so it feels good to sweep in the first round. It feels a lot better when it's the Sixers, so right now I'm, I'm riding on a high. Yeah, yeah, you guys definitely have their their card. We're going to get into some NBA, a lot lot going on today, obviously, with the Luka Mavs upset over the Clippers. But we have Jason on. Betcha is a new DFS platform. So, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at Betcha? Yeah, definitely. So I've been in the fantasy and sports betting space for the last five and a half, six years. One of my first roles out of college, I was consulting uh, for FanDuel. We signed them during the 2015 sort of daily fantasy heyday. We basically couldn't turn on a sporting event without seeing a FanDuel or DraftKings ad. Uh, So during that time, I was managing uh, all of their team deals across the NFL and the NBA. They had 32 team deals as well as an NBA league partnership. And during that time that I was building the marketing programs that we you know, were, were running to help you know, them reach sports fans and leverage the assets that they had across these teams, I would do the strategy and negotiation. And then during the execution part, I would actually go on site to all these different sporting events that they were activating at. And I would listen to potential customers and current customers talk to our brand ambassadors about what they liked about FanDuel, what they didn't like, what their pain points were. And for me, I started to develop an idea for you know what I thought a product or service in the space could look like. Um, I am a fantasy player and sports better myself. So instinctively, I had some ideas. And then listening to all this customer feedback, I knew that I wanted to sort of take advantage of that. So I knew for me, the next step was I want to go to an earlier stage company. I had no idea what that meant. I uh, moved out to California to uh, join a company called Windview is a really cool concept, sort of helping to pioneer the live in-game betting space here in the U.S. Um, and 
during the year and a half I was there, I continued to develop this feeling. And one of the things that we tried to do at Windview was I like the idea of layering on a competitive and social experience in conjunction with winning money. I would say I find the current sports betting experience to be pretty transactional. It's kind of like buying a stock. You log on, there's a bunch of numbers and odds. You find a bet you want to make. If you win, great. If you lose, that sucks. But that's it, right? And yet with season-long fantasy, I do this. And the cash prize is totally secondary. It's all about trash talk. It's all about camaraderie. So for me, I see the behavior in sports fans that there's other secondary motivations beyond the financial piece of it. So that's really what we're trying to tap into at Betcha. Yeah, what's it like being a part of a leadership team for a startup, especially during a pandemic when things aren't going the way you'd like? What's that kind of uh, like? Yeah, so I would say being this early stage, like I don't think of my, I never thought of myself previously as a quote unquote classic entrepreneur. Like I'm the type of person who is going to build something from the ground up. Um, but I would say having now been a part of this for the last 16 months and seeing a vision come to life, A, you have such a versatile role. I mean, people ask me what my role is. And the reality is that besides the actual coding of the app, there's pretty much nothing that I'm not touching on a day-to-day basis. Everything from product strategy, getting in the weeds, marketing strategy, fundraising, partnerships, whatever it is. So for me, I find that to be incredibly valuable. And at first, the idea of doing something like this felt intimidating and scary because I had none of the requisite experience. I'd never done it before. But the reality is I think about it like, what's my risk, right? And for me, the risk is I get three, four, five years worth of experience for every one year being here because it's sort of just trial by fire and you're learning so much on the fly. So being a part of that is awesome. And also being a part of a small team where you're not bogged down by bureaucracy. Like if we have an idea, we talk about it as a team. It's a flat organization. There's no who reports to who. It's just if we have a good idea, we talk about it, we test it, and then we implement it. And that being able to be nimble and efficient like that is really cool. During the pandemic, it was the first it was a shock value. And then immediately, like one of the things that I'm proudest of the team is recognizing that it's possible that this could create an even greater opportunity for us. And the reason that I say that is because our product is built on an ethos of social and gamification. And so the idea of connecting with other people through a digital platform is a, is a trend that's being accelerated by the pandemic. There are no fans in the stands. And gamification, like we have all these different challenges and boards and mobile gaming is something that's been on the rise also during the pandemic, another trend being accelerated. So we immediately were like, look, we can't really change the stuff that we can't control, but this could create an even bigger opportunity for us on the other side. And now I'm sitting here, it's like March Madness every single day. There's two mm-hmm. sports having the playoffs. Every MLB game actually matters. We've got golf. So it's kind of like the greatest sports content calendar ever. So we're, it's a, it, it actually turned out to be an exciting opportunity. Right. Plus, you layer in the NFL starting here in a couple of weeks. It's about to be chaos. I think there's one <laughs> there's one weekend in November where it's the Masters. It's NFL, obviously. And you also have I think LSU is maybe playing Alabama that weekend. It's so it's it's all in one. Um, but Jason, I want to go back to what you mentioned on the community and the social aspect of betting, because I know Tyler and I talk about it like what's the fun part about betting? It's like winning together as a group, the losing together as a group and like everything that comes with that. So how are you guys going about trying to 
bring together community when you obviously have people kind of playing uh, betcha on an app from their couch. So how do you guys bring people together? What's kind of the, the goal there? Yeah. So, you know, when we were building this product, so much of it is we're doing all this user research. I've got my own personal anecdotes of my experience. And if you're on Twitter or in the group chats that I'm in with my buddies, or when I go to a sports bar, with my friends, it's a constant back and forth. Who do you like tonight? Why do you like them? You agree and you bet together and there's this camaraderie element of rooting for the same outcome. You disagree. There's tons of trash talk. Sometimes people bet against each other. There's one group chat I'm in. There people bet against each other every single night. And that experience, I, I, when, you have, when you look at the current platforms that are out there, it's weird that none of them tap into any of those things. Like you really don't even know other users are on the platform. And so for us, you know, first we built the foundation, we built a feed and a follower system. You can see what picks people are making, you can engage with them. But the, the, the grander vision for what we've done is we've taken what people gravitate to in real life. You know, you mentioned the camaraderie of like winning and losing together. The magic of the retail sports book is like, you've got all these random people and they're all, some of them are rooting with each other. Some of them are rooting against each other. And that's an electric experience. And so for us in our app, groups of friends who bet on the same games, even if they don't bet on the same outcome, get a payout boost. So if I make a pick on a Celtics Sixers game, you guys can come in, you can make the same picks as me, you can make completely different ones. Either way, everyone's payout gets boosted. So that financial incentive to take part in the same games as your friends, we feel is gonna give us some network effects that a lot of products and services haven't had before in the space. Mm -hmm. It's a great point, and I have I have two questions. First, unrelated to the app, what is the we're doing Skype video? What's the poster behind you? It's it's uh, very interesting, and I've been uh, noticing it during during our talk. How would you describe it? It's a great question. It kind of looks like a mischievous devil type furry creature with a bottle of wine or rosé. I'm not exactly sure. And it's funny that you say that because this poster has been in my house for about 18 years. And I don't think I've ever truly evaluated what it is. And now yeah. I'm never going to stop looking at it. So I think I need to do a deeper dive after this. Yeah, it's one of those things that your parents get and you just kind of accept and don't ask uh, more questions on. And kind <laughs> of mo- moving back towards uh, Betcha and sports gambling, like you said, the community aspect is what is the most fun part about it. What's kind of the plans to expand the platform moving forward? Right now, um, I believe you could only bet player props uh, on it, right? Is there a plan to do more team-centered uh, betting what's kind of the plan for moving forward yeah so for us you know this is a the the way that we've constructed this product allows us to be a fantasy product that has allowed us to launch with a real money app as the house in 23 states plus dc right away within the first year we should be in closer to 40 so obviously as sports betting especially on the mobile side sort of continues to slowly roll out across the u.s in a state-by-state sort of fragmented way we're definitely keeping our eye on that and we're having discussions with potential partners about how to you know potentially enter the traditional sports betting fray i think on some level everyone's goal who's attached to this space is to get involved in some capacity Um, but while this rolls out for us to be able to go out and build a brand and a customer base in california and florida and georgia is incredibly valuable and we've already you know the initial feedback on the app i think it's clear that this product has product market fit and in the meantime we can showcase all of these other elements of the app that we've built to create a more engaging experience something we're going to roll out for nfl uh you know more i think 
again, sort of touching on the community aspect is there's these passionate communities of fans of specific teams. I mentioned I'm a Celtics fan. And one of the things that we want to be able to do is tap into that in a unique way. So you're going to come into the app and you're going to say, I'm a Boston Celtics fan. And we're going to throw you into a leaderboard with all the other Celtics fans. And you're going to compete to be the owner, president, GM of the Celtics. And that's going to give you the ability to unlock discounts on Celtics merchandise, tickets if they ever have fans in the stands again, uh, you know, skins, avatars. So things of tangible and intangible value to you. And, you know, we use Peloton as a cop for us all the time, even though they're in a different industry. Peloton has these hashtag communities, right? It's like Bay Area moms. They ride together. It's people you have a shared sense of interest with that you might not even know, but it makes it more competitive and more community oriented. And that's the type of thing that we really want to continue to bring out. Yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. And especially as you guys look at sports betting, as you mentioned, it continues to roll out state by state. Um how do you see the future of the DFS market fitting in, um, right? Because we had FanDuel and DraftKings that came on the scene hot the beginning of last decade, um, still in the mix, of course. So how do you see kind of going forward the next three to five years? What do you think uh, the DFS market's kind of role is as people, are, say, in California are like, oh, FanDuel, they're advertising everywhere. What can I do? Right. So what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, so I think it's it's pretty clear at this point that there's a lot of crossover between people who are interested in daily fantasy and people who are interested in sports betting. And for us, you know, the the DFS that FanDuel and DraftKings made famous, and I saw this firsthand, and this was part of the issue when we would try to explain to an average sports fan how to set a lineup within a salary cap. That was challenging for them. And then when they learned that they were competing against professionals or any computer algorithms, that sort of, it, it, it created a niche industry. And now I think that version sort of hit its ceiling. For us, the version of daily fantasy that we've created is one that I think any sports fan would feel relatively comfortable playing. You know, will Kawhi Leonard score more or less than 30 and a half points tonight? Who will score more points? Uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Nikola Jokic. I mean, these are pretty simple questions and you don't have to worry about competing against professionals. So I think in the short to medium term, as sports betting continues to slowly roll out, um, it's going to be a vital part of user acquisition for these companies. You're going to start seeing more and more tie-ups between the daily fantasy companies that aren't FanDuel and DraftKings and maybe some of the other land-based operators that don't have those products on the shelf yet. You know, you think about that's one of the huge advantages, right? Is FanDuel can advertise a real money product in California right now. And the MGMs and William Hills and the Pens, they're all looking at different ways that they can continue to go out and build a database as these states start to go live. So I think there's gonna be a variety of different creative partnership structures that you start to see. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, in five years as sport, if sports betting is legal in the majority of the U.S., you know, what happens. I think that there's definitely still a place for daily fantasy because it is exciting, right? I mean, whether it's having the roster, accumulating someone's fantasy points, I mean, it's definitely not going to go away. Uh, but I think that there's going to end up being just a lot of partnerships between the two sides. And how have you guys at Betchup, being a new product, tried to bring in new customers to the platform? And kind of like what you said for an average sports fan managing a salary cap for a FanDuel or for a FanDuel or DraftKings could be a little challenging. How are you guys trying to market this out to get new users onto the platform? 
Yeah, so it's a it's a great question, and there are a couple of sort of core elements to what we're doing. Number one, I think our ability to ever to to leverage influencers and experts and content creators is much more unique than what's traditionally been allowed in the space because you can actually follow someone directly through the app. You can see what picks they're making. We can create all these custom competitions, and you know you could be competing against this expert on a leaderboard. We're also looking at different ways that we might be able to have uh, the ability for creators to monetize their following through Betcha. We have some ideas that are inspired by TikTok, which you know we we take ideas from everywhere. Um, but you know I, I think that our ability to leverage creators is much more functional than what a lot of people have seen in the space. Um, and then I think you know naturally the product does have some built-in network effects because there are financial incentives to bet with your friends that. We've seen our referral program start to take off. We've seen people really gravitate towards the boost. And we've also seen people who felt like a lot of the products and services that are out there, like for me as an experienced better, PointsBet and FanDuel and DraftKings and even an offshore site, it's a, you know, I can use those products, but a lot of people feel like they're not tailored to them. So for them to see and be, and like we can tell the story of it being more fun and more social. We've actually seen some more casual bettors who have said, yeah, I've never been attracted to this space, be interested. So we're going about it that way. Facebook and Instagram is a huge part of what we're doing, finding the right audience. We're definitely looking at some very creative uh, affiliate partnerships and media partnerships, people who can help us write content and people who can help you know, new users be more comfortable with betting. We're certainly looking at those opportunities. And that's really the crux of, of how we're going about it. Very cool. And when it comes to uh, obviously you guys have been around for about a year and a half, two years here. What's been the biggest challenge of working an early stage company? You you guys just launched uh, the product a little while ago, but just some insight there. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the when you're building a product, um, you know, we, you go we go through so many iterations and we part of what we do and what our expertise is, is building consumer apps. But it's hard to know when you have like the look, the feel, the brand, the colors, right? Like you go through all these iterations and it's kind of an objective opinion. It's like, is our, you might think it looks cool and the app looks great, but are other people going to feel that way? And so for us, I would say one of the biggest challenges was trying to figure out like who our customer is and how does this brand come to life? And I remember the day where we saw, you know, we were going through this brand study and we saw these colors and this look and feel applied to the app for the first time in full and it just clicked. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to test that, but I would say though that was a big challenge and this it's a, it's a complicated space. And one of the reasons why a lot of the products and services out there are so complicated is because it's really hard to simplify something like daily fantasy and sports betting. And so I would say our attention to detail and being able to visualize this in a way that makes it feel more accessible was definitely a challenge. And the last piece was, as we were testing it, um, you can get all the people in the world on a beta program, but when they're not actually risking real money, it's hard to get a true sense of what the engagement's gonna be like and what people are doing. And so until it's out there in the world, it's hard to really know, but I would say, you know, taking a complex idea and making it something that's easy to use is intuitive. That was probably the biggest challenge that we faced as we were building the app. 
Yeah, it makes sense. I was reading a couple articles about it, and you guys were talking about, you know, Eggcorn kind of trying to make it a simple UI for customers. So I think you guys have done that uh, well so far. But let's move on to NBA. We talked uh, at the beginning, you're a Celtics fan, so they finished off the Sixers today in a sweep. Um, let's let's put the Sixers to bed right now. Cody and I are have just been... <laughs> Very tired of that team. I lost my Eastern Conference future on them today. I was I was happy to just burn that money away. Um, what do you guys think about the Sixers team moving forward? I think Brett Brown is finally done, which I think is a good move. Hopefully they get rid of him. But what about Embiid, Simmons? I, do you guys think they have to blow it up, or do, do they just need a new coach in there? Um, Jason, I'll let you go first. Yeah. So I. It's their very interesting team, the way that they've been put together. I've never felt that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were a natural fit. Ben definitely seems like the kind of guy who would do better on an up and down pace and space type of team that has shooters all around him. And Joel's clearly thrives in the half court. And also in today's NBA, I mean, you saw it sort of like in the Sixers Celtics series, right? I mean, the league is definitely starting to gravitate to having really versatile wings and guards who can switch on defense and who can create their own shot off the dribble. And one thing that the Sixers clearly lacked, and it was painfully evident, was, I mean, Alec Burks right now is maybe their best creator off the dribble for, like, the guards and forwards. Tobias Harris, you know, I mean, that's a disaster. Um, and so, I mean, I I don't know – it. Ben is a great, they're both great players. I just don't know if they're truly meant to play together. And then the way that they've surrounded them, you know, they don't have enough versatile wings. They don't have enough shooting. They don't have enough shot creation. They've done a, they got handed a great hand and yet they have not done a good job, you know, building out the deck. Yeah. I mean, look at what they filled out that roster with, with Horford, big off season signing. That's been a huge flop. I'm sure as a Celtics fan, you're happy you avoided that contract. (laughs) Um, You have Tobias Harris, who's a nice player, but again, they gave him too much money and just watching the Mavs game, which we'll get to and Luca and, and the ball movement they have and surrounding him with shooters and Doncic is incredible the way he gets the lane. He's at a different level than Simmons. But if you put Ben Simmons on that Mavs team with that roster, I think he's in a much better place because he's set up to succeed something like that. Um, and, and in terms of Embiid, Guy's incredible, but it seems like he just can't get out of his own way. And maybe it's Simmons. It's probably the roster. Like, it seems like they need to kind of hit the restart button pretty quickly here. Otherwise, uh, they're going to blow their prime. One thing for me on Embiid, and I've been saying this, and the the Celtics have definitely had the 76ers number in the playoffs a couple times and definitely had their number overall over the last couple of years. And one thing that they consistently do when I was trying to explain to some of my friends that this is a great matchup for Boston for two reasons, because they really put Embiid in bad spots. They number one, they run pick and roll at him all game and they always have a five for the most part that can shoot three. And so they like to play drop coverage a lot. So he's like standing back in the paint and Kemba and Tatum are walking into these pull up threes and then if they, you know, when they had Horford especially, but even with Tyus, who if you let him shoot it, he can knock down a three. It just, and be by the fourth quarter of every playoff game that he's ever played against the Celtics has truly been gassed. And they basically said, like, look, he's going to drop 30 tonight. We're going to foul him. We're going to make him work. We're going to make him work really hard for it. And we're going to make him play a defense out to the three-point line for four quarters. And he just consistently has not been 
in good enough shape to be able to do that for the for the course of a playoff series. Yeah, I agree with what you guys said on Simmons, where he just needs to be on a pace and space team. You even look like look at Milwaukee, how they built their team around Giannis. I think yeah. Simmons is kind of like a junior version of Giannis, where he can't really shoot. He could get to the paint pretty easily. If you put shooters around him, I think that space is the court for him better. And Embiid, like we said, he's incredibly talented, but just seems like he can't hit that extra level of superstardom. And I think partially the team that's built around him doesn't help. You know, Alec Burks, they, Shake Milton are the guards <laughs> trying to get him the ball in the post. And he's he's working hard for it. But the guy they really could use and the guy they should have drafted was Jason Tatum. Because if you put yeah. him on this team and you had a healthy Simmons, I think that they're the best team in the E. So let's move to the Celtics moving forward. They're, I believe Toronto Toronto's winning right now. I'm assuming they're going to finish off the Nets tonight. What are your thoughts, Jason, on them matching up against Toronto? And do you think the loss of Gordon Hayward is going to matter in that series, or it doesn't really matter, just gives more shots to Tatum and Brown? Yeah, so all season I've been shocked, really, at how the Raptors have played. And I keep thinking that, you know, without that true superstar, and obviously Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and, and Fred VanVleet, I mean, they're really, really good players, but... Without that true, you know, go-to guy down the stretch in the fourth, a superstar player, how far can they go? But every single game that I watch them, it's very clear that they have a special chemistry and a special coach. And the way that they play together is very impressive. So I think the Gordon Hayward loss is going to be huge. Uh, it really it really tests the Celtics' depth when Marcus Smart is in the starting five and you know, the, the guys that the Celtics are bringing off the bench right now, Cantor cannot play in a series against a team that can run the pick and roll. Like the, the 76ers are honestly the one team out there right now who doesn't have any guard who can really run the pick and roll and make you pay for it. And Cantor will be in a very different spot next series. Wanamaker is a, he's fine. Uh, but I, I'm definitely, I'd like to see Gordon Hayward get back by hopefully game four or five, because I think it's going to be very challenging to beat the Raptors four times without him. Mm -hmm. So are you, you, you mentioned at the beginning that you were, uh, you had a, a futures ticket that you were maybe a homer pick. So I'm assuming that's the Celtics in the finals or is it, uh, is it a matchup specific one or Celtics one at all? Yeah. So I've had a, I've had a Celtics Rockets uh, NBA finals matchup huh? in there for a while. And it's actually the team that I don't want to play because the Rockets have given the Celtics a lot of trouble this season. And the reason for that is because we're, we're actually playing a very similar style. Everyone says the Rockets are, they're sort of championing the small ball and they are, but Daniel Tice is the biggest guy that's consistently in the rotation for the Celtics. And he's only six, eight, two. And ideally the, be the best five the Celtics have has like Tatum and Brown playing the four and the five. So uh, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's what I have. I think beating Milwaukee and beating the Lakers is going to be a big challenge. I was, I've been a Celtics fan long enough to have seen LeBron in the playoffs for way too, just way too many times to feel like until he's dethroned, I'm not going to believe it. Um, but I do think that both of those teams are really pushing the NBA forward in the way that they're playing. And both of them, even without a quote unquote rim protector, or like a big guy to dominate the paint, they're both amazing defensive teams because of their ability to consistently switch. So I think that that's 
they, that both teams look good, so it could be interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think if you look at the best five for the Celtics versus the Raptors, you take the Celtics, especially with Tatum and Kemba being back to almost himself. But the the depth of the Raptors is what would worry me as a Celtics fan. They're just so deep, like Serge Ibaka, you know, Norman Powell, these guys off the bench are experienced from last year. They're confident, feels like some guy every game steps up for them. But I think the key for the Celtics in that series is if Jason Tatum could just keep raising his game and I mean, I think if he keeps playing like the way he did before the shutdown and in the bubble, maybe they have a chance. But I think in the end, the bench of the Raptors probably overwhelms them just because, like you said, you're relying on guys like Brad Brad Wanamaker. (laughs) Uh, Cody and I both went to Indiana. Romeo Langford's got some run. He's still super raw. But I think the Celtics just are missing like an extra guy off the bench. Yeah, it's going to be tough without Hayward. And to your point, though, I mean, the Celtics, and I've sort of been saying it all year, I feel like I'm biased, but I also feel like I watched the team enough to admit when they have a chance and when they don't. And the reason I felt like they've kind of been underrated all year is because defensively, they've got so much versatility. And offensively, I mean, especially with Gordon Hayward, but you can't point to a team that has four or five guys like Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, and Smart who can all create off the dribble. They can all pass. They can all shoot. They can all get to the rim. It's a very unique five that they're able to trot out there. So I, I, I'm hopeful, but I'm with you that I'm pretty scared of the Raptors. Yeah, before we get to probably the most fun uh, story in, in the NBA right now, Luca and the Mavs, have to ask you as a Celtics fan, do you listen to Bill Simmons' podcast? Uh, I used to be a very consistent listener and reader. I would say over the course of time, his takes have started to disconnect with the reality that I see. So it's been a while since I listened. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Cause I was just curious as I I don't really know any other, I don't have any Celtics fans, friends, but like what that experience is like, where like if you actually enjoy those eight minutes of rambling or if you also skip ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would say I, I, I skip, I skip now and I don't even listen. I used to be a big fan and now we don't exactly share the same opinions on on the Celtics anymore. Got it. Got it. Very mature of you. Um, (laughs) So, but yeah, let's get into this Mavs clip series. Um, The game today, we're recording Sunday night here. It's come out tomorrow morning. Luca, I mean, he, he left the last game with the ankle injury, hobbles to the locker room. He tries coming back, but it's clear that he has an ankle sprain. No Kristaps Porzingis today. They're down 21 points in the second quarter. Lucas stat line on the game, 43 points, 17 boards, 13 assists on 18 to 31 shooting. This guy's 21 years old. (laughs) Um, Jason, what are, what are your thoughts on the Mavs? Like, do you think this team actually has a shot to knock off what, the Clippers who are the favorites according to Vegas still at like about plus 275 to win it all. Yeah. So all season I've felt like the Clippers are the team to beat, but, and they're much better than the Celtics were last year, but I actually have at all in every point during the season, the chemistry has been a little bit weird. And the problem that the Celtics had last year that everyone sort of pointed to was there was no clear hierarchy. You know, there was, Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who thought that they maybe weren't getting enough shots and Kyrie, we all sort of know the story there. And I look at the Clippers roster and they have so many good players. And yet besides Montrez Harrell and Pat Beverly, who's hurt, those are like the only two role players who are sort of willing to accept the fact that they shouldn't be shooting all the time. And I lived through the Marcus Morris experience 
with the Celtics where he he thinks he's he's Kobe Bryant. Like he, he thinks he should take every big shot. He he's not afraid. Uh, but they have a lot of guys, Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson. I mean, they have a lot of guys who need shots and their chemistry is weird. So I, I say all that to say, I definitely think that the Mavericks have a chance in the series. And Rick Carlisle's a great coach. And Luca, I mean, I don't even know what's going on with this guy. I've never seen I've never seen anything like it. It's really unbelievable. It really is. And Jason, you know, credit to you. You've started your own, you know, gambling company. Cody and I have been doing the podcast and we're all older than Luca and feel a lot less accomplished. <laughs> it's it's incredible what he's doing in his second year in the league. And like I put it out on Twitter, it's like kind of joking, but like kind of serious. Like, is he the best player in the league? It feels like he's just unstoppable right now. It's insane. And I agree with what you said on the Clippers. And Cody and I have said this last couple of weeks as Laker fans, like, being realistic, the Clippers roster is better than the Lakers, but what I think their edge is that the chemistry with the Clippers, like they haven't all really played together this year. A lot yeah. of guys have been missed a lot of time. Kawhi does, you know, the rest thing. And there's just that inconsistency there that I think could trip them up. And we're seeing it maybe playing a factor right now. And Paul George, who gave himself the nickname Playoff P, <laughs> continues to just be a disappointment in the playoffs. He's he's should be their second best player. He should be, you know, their second leading scorer, leading scorer, whatever. Today he plays 45 minutes. He's 3 of 14 from the field, 9 points. He played well in game 1 of the series. Since then, he hasn't topped 14 points. He's shooting under 25%. Like, you need more from this guy. And for the Mavs to win this game without Kristaps, who's been a huge player for them, and you think... If you didn't get ejected from game one, this could be Mavericks up 3-1. So it's incredible what they're doing offensively. Trey Burke has been resurrected from the dead. It's like Michigan 2013. Him and Tim Hardaway <laughs> were both on that team. So it's incredible to see what they're doing. I'm personally hoping they pull it off. I think in the end, the Clippers just with Kawhi will end up with that experience. But it's been so much fun to watch. And Luka is just becoming a superstar in front of our eyes. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Paul George, right, is anytime that you tweet out that you don't care what people think, you definitely care what people think. Yeah, and the whole Dame Lillard thing, too, right, when he was clowning him. Yeah, it's, it's like the difference between, like, Kawhi Leonard is actually doesn't care what people think, and that's how you act when you don't. And if you're on social media and you're letting all that stuff get in your head, I mean, clearly there's something going on there with him. But, yeah, I mean, this is by far the best first-round series. I was happy to see the win because – this is the one that I want to go seven for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is, we'll see what happens with it. It's by far the most fun one. What's uh, your, your finals prediction. Are you sticking with Celtics rockets or. I, I think I, it, Russell Westbrook needs to come back. Uh, so I'd like to see that. Uh, and I, I'm going to stick with it because I do think that both teams have a very strong chance, but Westbrook being out and Hayward being out certainly could be issues for both. And like I said, with LeBron, I mean, look, I've been a Celtics. He's killed the Celtics so many times. And, it, you know, he has games like last night where he basically plays the NBA equivalent of a perfect game where every single time down the floor, he does the exact right thing. And when he gets in the zone like that, there's just no one that's going to be able to beat him. So I'm going to stick with it because I like to stick to my guns. But deep down, I know how tough it's going to be to beat the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the thing. I, I've been on the Clippers basically most of the year saying I still don't see how this Lakers team beats them. Even though it's 2-2, I'm still going to stick to that and, and hope I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but it's it's 
I mean, the Paul George thing is very real. I think AD similarly disappears and drives you nuts, but he still actually he's he will still get his. But there's been times where he kind of disappears similarly. So it's going to be ultimately the alpha dogs. If LeBron is enough to get by Kawhi, we'll see. For we'll the, see what happens sake, there. For the sake of the NBA, I would love to see Celtics Lakers. That would be incredible. Yeah, yeah. For the first time since 2020. 2010 i wanted to ask you jason what was 2010 you doing after ron artest hit that three in game seven uh man <laughs> uh I, I was at my buddy's house i just i just remember also like kobe going six to 24 uh, the whole time i was like look if kendrick perkins which i can't even believe i'm saying plays oh in that God. game plays in that game the celtics win um but it, it was just it's gut-wrenching and that was back in the day where like those playoff games, I don't know, remember what the final score of that game. I know both teams so didn't, low scoring. didn't get even close to 100. And now we're in a very different era of basketball. Um, but I was happy. Honestly, I was just ha- I was happy. That team, that Celtics big three, even when they even though they only won one title every year, they were so fun to watch. Uh, so that was a gut wrenching game seven. But yeah. Yeah, it was kind of dumb towards the end of of the run. I mean, they still had a couple other good runs, but I remember that year, and even the year before, it was supposed to be LeBron versus Kobe in the finals, and and it it never ended up happening. But yeah, um, they, they had one last year where it was then they ended up losing to LeBron in seven, and he had that game six in the Boston Garden where he yeah. dropped like forty five points. But they still they still almost had him, and they you know they they pushed it to the very limit, and then. They did. They lived the best parting gift they ever could leave, which was to trade themselves to Brooklyn and bring us Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah. They they set up for the second round. I want to ask you quickly. You mentioned Kendrick Perkins didn't play Game Seven, 2010. Maybe, maybe that uh, affected the outcome. What are your thoughts on him on ESPN? He's been saying some outrageous things. I forget. Oh, he said the other day. MJ didn't ever won a title at 35 and then it's like factually proven that he won MVP in the title that year. So what's your thought on Perkins just kind of wilding out on ESPN? I, I, I mean, he, he and Paul Pierce are both saying some wild stuff. I, oh, yeah. the, way, the way that I see, honestly though, the way that I see them is I, I always say this, and even though I personally don't like him and I don't really watch or listen to the programming, I think Stephen A. Smith is like one of the geniuses of a generation for him to be the highest paid employee at ESPN. He's a, he's an actor, right? Like there's no time where I sit there and think Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or any of these guys, like I don't actually think that they believe a lot of what they're saying, but they do such an incredible job of, you know, creating conversation and buzz and getting people talking. And so I think on some level, you know, there are a lot of guys who are stepping into roles on ESPN and on other, you know, talk shows that, try and do a similar thing and so perk 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 says what's on his mind so i don't necessarily think he's he's being facetious but i think that there's an element of you know if you make statements like that and you get the publicity you know there's almost no bad publicity when you're talking head like that so i think it's good for the network and then it's thus it's good for his career yeah yeah Yeah. they're take artists at the end of the day yeah (laughs) But uh, yeah, Jason, so this has been great. Thank you for joining us. Where can our listeners follow you, Betcha, and kind of keep up with what's to come? Yeah, so definitely download Betcha in the App Store or go to the website, www.betcha.one. You can find me on LinkedIn. Definitely reach out to me if you have any questions or you want to connect. 
You can also find me on Twitter. I don't tweet that much, but I'm on there a lot. And I do have a Twitter handle that people seem to like, which is at JShapRocky, J-A-Y-S-H-A-P-R-O-C-K-Y. That's my fantasy football team name. Um, so you can find me on there as well. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's fun. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to get the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And thanks again to Jason for coming on and joining the pod. Really fun interview, learning about his background, Betcha, and talking NBA. All right, Cody, now let's recap uh, this past week's Double Shot episode. A little background. I watched it three times in less than 24 hours. Uh, came back to our parents' place on Thursday night. I watched it Thursday night uh, after the Lakers game. Then the next day, our mom wanted to watch it, so I watched it with her. And then you came back later Friday night, and you wanted to watch it. So I watched it three times within a 24-hour time span. So I feel like I saw everything that happened this week's episode. Um, they went to Paulie's DJ show at Live in Miami. Um, a lot, a lot happened. What were some of your key takeaways? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you got to really immerse yourself in this episode. Um, I think it's a few key takeaways. One, Brandon continues to show his emotional versatility as a cast member. Uh, he gets choked up again thinking about um, being at live with Polly D Polly introduces him uh, to manager at live making network connections when this is your industry Tyler is huge he uh, <laughs> he's, he's he's really emotional about that he got to go on the mic um, so I, I was I was very happy for him another one Nikki and Polly they continue to uh, have just a bizarre relationship. Nikki at the or Polly at the end of the episode basically tells um, Nikki that he loves her, but tells Maria that, and then tells Maria not to tell her. But Nikki overhears Polly telling Maria something and says, "Don't tell her." So it's like, okay, Polly, what what are we doing here? Because this is just we've seen this train wreck before. I see two trains on the same track approaching each other and like they're just gonna go head-on collision here yeah well it's like what we've been saying the last couple weeks it feels like paulie's been leading her on he keeps emphasizing he wants to take it slow he wants to take it slow that's how the last episode ended and it looked like nikki was upset from that chat but she was she was just she was pranking everyone she was fine um so you know they said they wanted to take it slow and then five hours later he tells maria with nikki standing right there that he loves her so much and, you know, Paulie just played at Live, and you could tell this was like a big deal to him. He's played at a lot of places, but Live was a big milestone, you know, on his bucket list. He did that. He's probably drinking a little bit. So I think all those things, all the adrenaline and all that tied together, he tells, you know, he says he loves her. But you, you can't just say that, especially with Nikki. You know how she's going to take it. So I think next week's episode will be very interesting to see if Paulie, like, backtracks on that a little bit. I think he... I think he actually does love her. I think oh. he's just afraid to maybe commit to her. Um, you know, he's saying I'm 39 and single. I must be doing something wrong. So I think there's some deeper issues, not issues, but deeper things with Polly D that he's just not letting us know that maybe he's a little afraid to get into a committed relationship. But it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think he's going to backtrack a little bit on that. 
Definitely, a hundred percent. That's that's where this is headed. Uh, winners of the episode. Um, I actually even outside the episode here, but thoughts. B lashes has blonde hair now. Yeah, B lashes. You know, B lash blonde. Friend friend of the program it looks very good. It's Fam- Darren's family birthday. Of, family of the program. Darren's birthday, I believe, uh, Monday tomorrow when people will be listening to this. So <laughs> happy birthday to her. Um, a lot going on with the girls outside the show. Um, Angelina. Mm-hmm. Winners. I'm gonna have to say it's Brandon. He got on the mic at Live. He's Crushed it. you know he's, he's DJing bar mitzvahs back in New Jersey Cody's as of bar, last year. Cody's bar mitzvah. Yeah. So you. He's not really uh, hitting it big time, but, you know, with hard work and he has Polly on his side, he introduced him to Irish Sarah, who's the town manager at Live, so that was big for him. So Brendan's my winner, and, you know, when he first came on the show, he's kind of an a-hole, acting like, you know, this guy who doesn't care, but he has a lot of deep feelings. He's very appreciative of everything, which I think is nice to see. Yeah, Marissa thinks he's boyfriend material deep down, um, so that's very nice for him. Um, I agree. Huge episode for Brandon. Other winners. Um, I think I'm gonna go with. Hmm, it's, it's a good question. I have a I have a loser. I think actually I'm going with Marissa as my loser of the week. She I think she gets embarrassed a little bit. She goes to knock on the their door. She wants to hook up with Brandon. And it's uh, it's not I don't think it's it's the best look. I don't, I don't really it, it it just wasn't wasn't Marissa's best work there. So I'm going to say she's my loser of the week in an episode where I was debating Polly, but Polly may actually love Nikki. So in that case, go for it, guy. <laughs> but um, he's he's kind of my runner up. Yeah, Marissa is just. She, she likes Brandon more than Brandon likes her, it seems like, at this point. Uh, Brandon's just, you know, he's not ready to commit. He's in Miami with his boys. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say my other winner is Antonio, just wearing a short sleeve button down to the club. No buttons uh, going on. It was a great look for him, very Miami. My loser of the episode, I'm going to say is Darren, because she's, again, getting involved in other people's drama. We see in the next week next week's episode preview that Polly doesn't appreciate it so I'm gonna say she's my loser because she keeps gossiping about other people's stuff and you know we saw Susie call her out a couple weeks ago I think next week her and Nikki will collide heads again like they did in season Season one one. Mm -hmm. so I think Darren's in for a bad episode next week yeah we need Darren needs the season end I think is is where we're at with that um but yeah I think I think that wraps it up in terms of double shot we have another uh great week of NBA basketball here with the games during the day. So everyone enjoy that. And we'll be, we'll be back next Sunday with another episode. Did somebody say playoffs, NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at bet online. Have you covered get in on all the action, including an NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. 
And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.